If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to turn with me to the New Testament book of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 16, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16. And today we're going to shift gears a little bit from the series that we've been doing because we've been, uh, as you know, we've been talking about questions that you guys have submitted um, things that you've always wondered but were afraid to ask, and we've had some some just tremendous questions, but evidently I've answered them all because we don't have any more uh, questions. There was there was one thing that um, that was submitted. It was just one word. It was just revelation, and so that's a pretty big topic. I'm not sure exactly what the question was with that, and so since I don't know exactly what uh, the questioner was wanting. I'm not sure that I could answer that question adequately, but, uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to move into Matthew chapter 28, and, uh, and we're going to pick up in verse 16, and, and we're going to talk about keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, as you know, if you've been here for a while, you know that every year around New Year's, what we do is we, we kind of pause and we reflect, we, we, we reevaluate why we are here as a church, why we are here in, in Lawrence County, southwest Missouri. And you know that as a, as, a, as a church, our role, our function, our job, our purpose for being here is, is, is not fellowship. Now, we have great fellowship. We're going to have a potluck, and we'll, we'll fellowship around food. And I love, I love food, and I love fellowship. But as great as it is, that's not the reason that we're here. Our reason that we're here as a church is, is not to be a social club. We are not... Uh, just to get together of, of people who, who enjoy one another's company. Our job isn't even to feed the hungry. It's not to clothe the naked. It's not to visit the sick. Those things are important. Those things are byproducts of what we do as we care for other people that are made in the image of God. But those are not the main thing. Somebody well noted that if somebody would have given the prodigal son uh, some bread to eat and a cot, he never would have gone back to the father's house. Our job, as important as those other things are, our job mainly is not that. Our job really is twofold. Our job, number one, is to glorify, honor, and magnify God. That's what our role is. We are to worship God. We're to glorify God in all that we do. And the second thing is that we are to spread the gospel. We're to extend Christ's kingdom in this world. We are to be on mission. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at that second part of our purpose, and, and we're going to look at the great commission that Jesus left to the church. Now, if, um, if you found Matthew 28 and you're able to stand, I'd ask you to do that in honor of God's Word. We'll pick up in verse 16 and read down to the end of the chapter. It says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, as we read these familiar words and we, we think about these things and, and we get into this text, I'm probably not going to tell you anything that you've not already heard before. You probably know everything that I'm getting ready to say, but the thing is, sometimes we need to have our, our, our remembrance stirred a little bit. Sometimes we need to be stirred up uh, by what the, those things that, that are brought to mind. So Matthew begins his account in, in verse 16, and he talks about Jesus meeting his disciples at a certain mountain that he's designated. Now, we don't know which mountain in Galilee it was. Some think it was the Mount of Beatitudes, where 
in Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, he said, Blessed are the, uh, the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, and blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God, so on and so forth. Some people think it was there. Some people believe it was Mount Tabor. Some people believe that it was the Mount of Transfiguration, where, where Jesus took some of his disciples up and was transfigured before them. But wherever it was, Jesus had already designated this spot. We see that in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 32. He says uh, he, he, he names a certain place that he's going to meet them after the resurrection. Now you'll notice if you look at verse 16 again, it says that the 11 went to meet Jesus. Now you might think, okay, I thought it was 12. Well, you remember Judas by this point has already uh, committed suicide. And so it was the 11, but notice it doesn't say that it was just the 11. And I'll, I'll circle back to that in just a moment. So these, these disciples go out to this place where Jesus had said that he would meet them. And most biblical scholars believe that this is the occasion that Paul referenced in 1 Corinthians 15. You remember when he said that at one point Jesus had appeared to over 500 of the brethren at one time, most of which were still alive whenever he wrote that. And so most, most biblical scholars think that this happened at the mountain that, that we're reading about today because uh, and, and it makes sense because if you know that Jesus is showing up on a certain day at a certain place, what's going to happen? You're going to go, right? I mean, Jesus hadn't appeared to, to, to all, of the, all the disciples, all the people that followed him. So if you are a follower of Christ and you know that Jesus is going to show up at this certain mountain on, uh, in Galilee on a certain day, you are going to go. And so it's likely that all these people came to see Jesus. And that would also make sense of... Uh, what else it says in verse, uh, look at what it says in verse 16, or verse 17. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now that's something that we would expect. But also you notice in verse 17, it says that some were doubtful. Some were doubtful. Now that, maybe you've never seen that before. It may, may make you scratch your head. Why would, why would some of them be doubtful? What does that even mean? Well, a couple things about that. Number one, the word that's translated as doubtful doesn't mean unbelieving. It has the idea of hesitation. It's, it's when you think something is, is, is the case, maybe something is too good to be true, but you kind of hesitate. I'm not, I, I, I want to believe, but I'm not 100% sure. I need just a little more proof. That is more the, 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 the connotation of this word. But also, if you have some 500 people there, I mean, Jesus had already appeared to, to the disciples a number of times, so the 11 didn't have any doubts that they'd seen Jesus, the resurrected Lord. But not everybody had had that opportunity. And so it, it stands to reason that within a crowd of, of we'll say, you know, about 500 people, there are going to be some people who are maybe a little hesitant to believe until Jesus gets near them. That's what happens in verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to, him, spoke to them. And so, so when Jesus gets near, their fears, their hesitations go away. But anyway, Jesus gave them and us a heavenly mission. Jesus gave us marching orders as Christians and as a church. And, and we are obligated to do those things based, among other things, on his absolute cosmic authority. Look again at verse 18. He says, uh, he says all authority has been given to me. Now your Bible may say, all power has been given to me. The fact is, we don't have a single English word in our language that translates the Greek word that's used here. It does have the idea of power, 
but it also has the idea of authority. It, it, it means that we have, the, the, the person that has this has the power of, of absolute choice. They have the, the, the absolute right to demand obedience to that choice. They, they, they have the authority and the power to enforce that choice. And so in other words, every person in every corner of the earth, in every sphere of life, has the responsibility and the obligation to submit to and to obey Christ. He says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. That is not a popular message today, is it? If you go to somebody that's, that's an unbeliever and say, you have the responsibility, you have, you have an obligation before God to submit to the Lord Jesus, what's people's reaction going to be? I, I don't think so. You can just keep all that and, and you, just, you can just do whatever you want with it, but I ain't going to do it. Because our natural, our natural reaction as people is to think that we are, that we are autonomous, that, that we answer to no one, that we're captains of our own destiny, that we can do it all on our own. But Jesus has absolute authority, not just in heaven. I mean, people are, are comfortable with that idea, right? That Jesus is up there and he can tell the angels to do what he wants. And they can do what, what Jesus says, but down here on earth, that's a different story. But Jesus says, says he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And therefore, every person, every government, every church has the responsibility to submit to Jesus. And let me tell you, we have an obligation to submit to him as a church, New Hope Baptist Church. We have the obligation to submit to Jesus in this area. And what does he say to do? Notice he bases his command in verse 19 on this authority. He says, go therefore. Because of what I've just said, because I have all authority, therefore, you need to go out and make disciples. And that's really the meat of this command. He says to go and make disciples. Now you say, well, what about those other actions? The, the going, the, the baptizing. What, what about the, the teaching them? Aren't those things important? Isn't that part of the command? Yes, they are part of the command, but the, I'm not going to get into all the, all the Greek grammar but that, that phrase, make disciples, is the main verb. The others just modify it. The, the going, the baptizing, the, the teaching, those things describe how the making disciples is to be carried out. Now, what is a disciple? It's, it's, a, it's a student. It's a learner. And it was common in ancient Palestine for rabbis to have disciples. It was common for these Jewish teachers to have people around them that would follow them, that would learn from them, that would... Uh, take on their teachings, their, their, their manner of life, all these things. And so rabbis would go out and get disciples for themselves. But what's unique about this is the rabbis didn't make disciples for other people. But Jesus says, you as my followers go out and make disciples of the nations and make them not your disciples, but my disciple. Go out and bring them into a relationship with me. The next thing I want you to see is that, is that making disciples is every Christian's responsibility. It's every Christian's responsibility. Now, it is a common view in Christendom today that it is the preacher's job to make disciples. That it is the paid staff of a church's job to make disciples. That it is the Sunday school teacher, the deacons, all these other people, we want, to make, we want them to do the work of service. We want them to be the ones to make disciples. But I want you to see in our text that that the making of, the, of disciples is the responsibility of every follower of Christ. We are to go 
and we're to make it possible for others to go. Let me say that again. It is our responsibility, responsibility to go and our responsibility to ensure that others can go as well. Notice I said and make it possible, not or make it possible. And I, I, I did that intentionally because much of the time we recognize the importance of missions. We recognize that, that it, is, it, it is an important thing for people to know about Jesus. We recognize that importance, but we don't want to be the ones to do it. We would rather pay somebody else to do it for us. And listen, there are times, different circumstances, they're, they're going to prevent you from going on to the mission field. You may not be in a place financially where you can leave your job for uh, a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years. You may not be able to do that financially. You may not be able to do that because of health reasons. You may not be able to do that for, for any number of reasons. And so you may not be able to go in that sense. You may not be able to go overseas, but you can go across the street. You may not be able to go overseas, but you can sit across the table from someone and tell them about Jesus. And so we, we need to be about the business of going, but we also need to be about, about the business of sending. Because the most important part is that somebody's going. That needs to be our main focus. And we need to do our part in going ourselves, but understand that we don't just pay somebody to do it for us. We need to be co-laborers together with people who are spreading the gospel. We can send those people. Now, Jesus, in our text, he called us to reach the nations. That's not going to happen just by talking to the person across the street from you. Now, if everybody did, eventually the nations would be reached. But listen, there must be missionary endeavors. And those things, those things take financial resources. Say, so, oh, pastor, here we go. I know there had to be money mentioned sometime. You haven't talked about any kind of money thing for about a, about a year. Listen, ministry takes money. If you're a missionary and you got to get from, from St. Louis, Missouri, and you need to fly to Moscow, you can't just flap your arms and get there, right? You've got to get on a plane. They don't just give plane tickets away. Those things take money. It takes money for a missionary to eat. It takes money for a missionary to buy clothes for his, for his kids. It takes money for, for missionaries to be able to buy those things to use as outreach. We need to be about the business not only of going, but sending. And that's part of what we do whenever we take up our offerings. A lot of that money is used here locally, but some of it, a portion of it is given every month. And that money is pooled with money from other believers, other churches, and they use that to fund missions. And on top of those things, we also take up special missions offerings. We have Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We have Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offerings coming up very soon. Those things go to fund uh, outreach both at home and abroad. Those things go to, to help spread the gospel. That is part of the sending that I'm talking about. We're to go, but we also need to send. So we, we both take part in this endeavor in, in the things that we, uh, in the sending and also in the going ourselves. On top of that, what are, we, what are we doing today? Shoeboxes. That is part of doing the Great Commission. Because yes, it's, a, it's, it's great to brighten some kid's day. It's wonderful 
to, to bless a kid's family. But the main reason we do this isn't so that a kid has a new soccer ball. The main reason we do this is because it gives those people that, that deliver the boxes an opportunity to share the gospel with that family, to share the gospel with those kids, just like you saw in that video. And sometimes the whole family gets saved because of a shoebox. Those are the things I'm talking about. We, we go, but we also send. Our job is to make disciples. Now, verse 20, Christ ends this, this bit of, of instruction with encouragement. And the encouragement is he doesn't just send, he also accompanies. Look at this, tat, uh, look, look at this, look at this verse again. He says, teaching them to observe all that I command, commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, as we look at this task, it's a big one, because I, I want you to notice the absolutes. He says, we are to reach all the nations. He says that, that we're to reach all of them, and we are to teach all that Christ commanded. Now, that's a big task, to reach all the nations and to teach them all that Jesus taught. Who is sufficient for such a task? Certainly not us on our own. We can't do that on our own. But with Christ's help, and as we work together, we can do that. He has all authority, all power. He can enable us to do that, but He also can protect us as we do that. We need His presence. And not only can He do that, He does do that. And, and notice what He says in verse 20. He promises to be with us, not physically. And we want to say, well, I wish He was. Right? Wouldn't that be cool to have Jesus by our side physically? But I want you to think, if he was by my side physically, and you were spreading the gospel across town, could he be by your side physically? No. Nope. If he was working here in Missouri, could he be working over in the Philippines? No. If he was over in, in, uh, if he was in South America, could he be working in Europe? No. Because if, if he was here physically, he could only be in one place at one time. But Christ is with us wherever we go in the person of the Holy Spirit that indwells every believer. And so He can be with us wherever we go, anywhere in the world. Now, now we don't see this in English, but in verse 20, we have that word that's rendered as always. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that, that word that's translated always literally means all the days. I'm with you all the days. I'll be, I, I'm with you all the days until the end of days. There's not one moment's time that, that Christ will not be with His people. Now, we look at this and we say, that's, that's good. That's reassuring. But understand, when He says all the days, He means every day. That means on Tuesday morning, He's with you. That means in the middle of the night, whenever you're at, at a sick loved one's bedside, He's with you. He is with His people all the time. And He enables us to fulfill the Great Commission. And that's really what I want us to remember today. Our role as a church, our focus as a church, sometimes we think, oh, we're out here in the middle of, middle of nowhere. Well, I've said in the past, we're you know, 15 miles, 15 minutes from everything, so we're really in the middle of everything, not in the middle of nowhere. 
15 miles from, 15 minutes from Mount Vernon, 15 minutes from Springfield, Marionville. I mean, we're in the middle of everything. Our, our responsibility, our role as a church right here is to fulfill the Great Commission, starting in our own community. In all the hustle and bustle of life, and especially during this time of year, we tend to lose sight of those things, don't we? I want us to make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. Let's not, let, let, let's not lose sight of the reason that we do things because our job as a church is to make disciples. The question that has to be asked is what role are you playing in that endeavor? Are you going? Are you ever speaking to anybody about Jesus? Are you striving at least to be a good witness for Christ in your daily life? As somebody has termed it, are you bragging about Jesus ever? Do the people that you work with even know that you're a Christian? Maybe, maybe as you think about that, you need to be more intentional about just being a good witness. Of trying to live according to the things that Jesus has taught. It could be that God is laying on your heart to do some sort of missions work. Not just going across the street, not just sitting across the table. But maybe he's laying something on your heart to do some more missions work, some, some strategic, focused ministry in missions. Maybe it's a short-term mission trip. Maybe it's here locally. Maybe it's, maybe it's overseas. At, maybe it's a long-term mission trip in a, in, a, in a permanent type of appointment. Maybe you say, I don't know what he's calling me to do. I feel that he's, he's stirring my heart to do something. I'd encourage you to continue to pray and, and ask God to show you what he wants you to do because you know his will. You say, I don't know what he wants me to do. Sure you do. Go and make disciples. Continue to pray about it. Or maybe your main job is to sin. You don't have the availability to go. You don't have the 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 financial resources to go. You don't have the health that enables you to be doing strenuous activity or to be overseas or, or you can't be away from the U.S. because of, you know, uh, hospitals or whatever it is. Maybe your role, your main role, is to send. You can support it financially. You can support it through prayer. Say, Pastor, I don't have a whole lot of money. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I've got a whole bunch of money. I can fund all kinds of ministry. Then do it. You say, I don't have very much. Do, do, do what you can with what you have. Because God, if, he, if, if you have $5,000, He doesn't expect you to give $25,000. Right? Use what you have to further His kingdom. Be faithful with what He's given you. Because our, when He blesses us, it's not so that we can always have a, a bigger, nicer house and a, a, a shinier car. Many times He blesses us to be a blessing to fund the ministry, to, to enable others to go. Use what you have, skills, time, treasure, talents, all those things to make disciples. Now, I've talked all this time about making disciples, about the gospel and all those things, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least tell you the gospel. Because it could be that, that there's somebody here who's never heard the gospel. It could be that there's somebody here who's heard it, but you need to hear it again. As simply and as plainly as I know how to say it, this is the gospel. 
the Bible tells us there's a holy God. And that God has given us laws. He's given us rules that reflect his character. He says, do not lie because God's not a liar. He says, do not steal, do not kill. All those things, they reflect his nature. Many times we as human beings violate, we, we disobey what God has said. God says, do not lie, and we lie. God says, do not steal, we steal. Or sometimes he, we, we leave undone the things that he says to do. God says to do a certain thing, we leave it undone. That's, that, that's a, a thing called sin. Our sin separates us from God. God is a just and a holy and a perfect God. And when we sin, we are, not, we are made... We, there's, there's a problem in our relationship. And the Bible says that our sin justly deserves the wrath of God. His punishment should fall upon us. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of a virgin, he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross for sin. On the cross, God poured out his wrath towards the sin of his people on Jesus. And when we put our faith in him, when we repent of our sin, we turn from it, and we, we, we ask God to save us. We ask him to forgive us. On the basis of what Christ did on the cross, he will forgive us, he will credit Christ's righteousness to our account, and we are made right with God. We are adopted into his family. The Bible says that, that, that all who will believe on him will have eternal life. But the Bible also says that if you have not believed on him, if you don't believe on him, you stand condemned already because you've not believed on the only Son of God. And it could be that today the Holy Spirit is telling you that you are a sinner, that you have never bowed the knee to Christ, you've never repented of your sins. And if that is you today, I, I, I call on you, I beg you, to turn to Christ and put your faith in Him for salvation. Because it's not based on what you do. It's not based on the good works that you do. It's not based on your church membership. It's not based on in the Lord's Supper. It's not based on baptism. It, it, your, your chances, the, the, the reason you get to heaven is solely based on your relationship to God through Jesus Christ. It's on the basis of faith alone in Christ alone to the glory of God alone. And if you've never done that, do that today. Once you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just I just want to ask you, are you a Christian, not a Christian in name only, not one who's is a a cultural Christian. You take the name of Christian because it's convenient, because you go to church. Are you a Christ follower? If not, you need to be saved today. If you are, 
You need to be involved in the Great Commission. By going, by sending, but we need to be using what we have, our time, our talent, our treasures, we need to use those things to make disciples. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you would help each of us today to to not lose sight of the reason that you have us here. Lord, the fellowship here is great. We enjoy spending time with one another. We enjoy uh, working together for you. But help us to remember that those things are not the reason that, we, that we're here. Help us to remember that our reason for existing as a, as, a, as a church, as a body of believers, is to glorify you and to reach others for you. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be involved in that individually as we go, as we uh, send in, in the ways that we can. God, I pray that you'd help us to, to, to be faithful, cheerful givers. Help us to be faithful in, in being good witnesses for you. And Lord, we pray for, those, for, for forgiveness for those times when we're We've not been good witnesses because all of us have fallen short. And God, if there's somebody here that you're calling to some sort of missionary work, I pray that you would make that plain to them today. If there's anybody here who's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that you would convict them today, draw them to yourself. We ask these saints in Jesus' name. Amen.